0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here today. Anybody having any fun? Yeah. A couple of people? Okay, great, great. Oh, I had a... I ran across some um, bulletin bloopers. A lot of you people don't know what a bulletin is. (laughs) It was (laughs) standard fare years ago in the church... When you walked in the door, the usher gave you a bulletin that said stuff nobody much read about what might actually happen anyway. Online and all that's changed that. But over the years, people have made pretty interesting um, English sort of uh, errors in syntax and all sort of stuff. When they made these bulletins, they said funny things they didn't actually mean. For instance, um, one of them talking about a particular event where the pastor came and spoke briefly. It says, the Reverend Merryweather spoke briefly, much to the delight of the audience. <laughs> yeah, t- it's like a power release thing there. It took a while. Here was another one. The pastor will preach his farewell message after which the choir will sing, Break Forth into Joy. <laughs> These aren't going over that good. Huh? <laughs> or maybe you don't understand them. I? <laughs> Tuesday at 4 p.m., there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk will please come early. <laughs> I didn't understand why that was funny. You know, I- Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. Miss <laughs> 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 Charlene Mason sang, I Will Not Pass This Way Again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. (laughs) That's why you quit going to church years ago, wasn't it? (laughs) Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30 p.m. Please use the back door. Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. (laughs) During the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon when J.F. Stubbs (laughs) supplied our pulpit. Some of these are pretty good. I think when I obligated you to laugh, you couldn't appreciate the full humor that was involved in some of those. Okay, we're going to talk some more about um, knowing that God loves you. And I just keep coming back to this slide. If they're up, go to the second one, please, when you turn that on. In closing, oh, there we are. Let's read that together. Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God. And that's just so powerful. I know this is the third week in a row. I've read this, but I'm not sure how many people have been here three weeks in a row. And any of you have need to hear this at least these three times. So that, that really strikes at the heart of the human, the human condition. Um, I was actually taught uh, 35 or 40 years ago that Jesus loved me with a second-hand, God loved me with a second-hand love, meaning he loved me for Jesus' sake. That's what I was taught coming along. Which is absolutely not the truth. He loves me to the same degree that he loves Jesus. And Jesus didn't come to change God's mind. In other words, Jesus didn't come and die so that God could love me because of what he did. That would be for Jesus' sake. But he came to change my mind about who God really is. And you have to any, any, even a surface student of the whole Bible has to understand that there was a progressive revelation of who God really is. And there's so much confusion. Um, you know, in the church, uh, people are really sort of terrorized by the God of the Old Testament. But you have to resolve and be excited about this, that God the Father's clearest representation you find in Jesus himself. In other words, if you want to know what the Father's like, he's exactly like the Son. But introducing him down through the ages, I think, has been a very complicated process. There needed to be a context for Jesus to come into. And I haven't thought that much about this, but it strikes me this morning that in a certain way, Judaism needed to be a failed understanding of God. So when Jesus came with an accurate representation, it made it a very clear contrast between what doesn't work and what does work. Does that make any sense? And But a lot of people are so... um Uh, influenced in a, uh, in a wrong way by the old Testament that they missed the whole point. And the whole point is, if you want to know what God is like, he's like Jesus. Jesus is like him. Um, if God became a person, which he did, what would he be like? He would be like Jesus. And, um, Lord, change our minds about who you are. Change our minds. I like this too. Let's say this again. This is the second slide there. Is it up? Most of us, it's not. Most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so that you can change. It's the inherent experience of love that becomes the engine of change. I was thinking this week, um, for a person to repent, they first need to repent. And what I mean by that is to repent has two different levels of meaning. It means to change your mind. But it also means, means to, in sort of the New Testament sense, change your behavior. And so when I say you need to repent so that you need to repent, you need to change your mind about who God is and what he thinks about you so that you can change your behavior. And fear, which is, you know, I sort of grew up. I didn't grow up under fear in the Presbyterian church that's where I grew up. I didn't, I didn't really get that much out of it other than being in a, among a healthy group of people. But as far as doctrine or insight, I didn't get that much there. But um, after I got really serious with the Lord, it seemed like God got meaner and madder there for a while. <laughs> and that you repented so that you wouldn't suffer the consequences. That never worked with my kids. They kept doing bad stuff for a while there, but but you have you know, and, and I'm not saying there's not a judgment to come. I'm not I'm not escaping any of that. I don't. I'm glad it's not up to me how that works out. But you have to change your mind. You have to repent. You have to change your mind about who God is, so that you can change your behavior or make uh, honest assessment of what kind of life. You're really living. Does that makes sense. Yeah. I hope it does. I'm going to go to um, go on down to not knowing the Father's approval produces. And so I brought. Um, Travis was telling me that people were taking pictures of this. So what I did, I have about 50 copies of this. Anybody wants some? Why don't you raise your hand and Andy and some of the folks will will pass these out. But these are characteristics of not knowing the Father's approval, and when I say not knowing, I mean to the degree that it could begin to uh, begin to fix some of these problems. But um, yeah, you can read them. Sinful life—you don't have to read them out loud, but but look at those sinful lifestyle, striving, insecurity, name dropping. Lack of focus, frustration, self-promotion, unbelief, addictions, and I name two at the bottom you may not be familiar with. I call it a religious spirit and a political spirit. And a religious spirit is, when you don't know the Father's approval um, and you're a, a religious person, you try to become the resident Critical expert on what's good and what's bad, and if you don't know what that is, go look at Facebook, <laughs> and you will understand very clearly. Um, yeah, the religious spirit is basically an arrogant, an arrogance-based religious thing that you know finds fault with everybody, and in the political realm. And to me, I'm not really talking so much about national politics, but when I talk about a political spirit, that's that's the motivation where you only make friends with people that you can get something from. And in the church world, it's really, really nasty. Um, I think it's nasty in any realm, but... Everybody needs to have a loser for a friend. That's crummy. No, but what I'm saying is, who do you really like that you're willing to spend time with that you don't get anything out of by liking them? You need to have friends like that. You need to be a friend like that. You might be a loser. Everybody's a loser to somebody on a relative scale, right? (laughs) Uh, I better ship gears here. If you oh, never mind. Now I believe the love of God, when it you experience it and it can permeate you down to the bottom, down to the depths, it will change all of that. But it 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 normally needs to do it I believe in the context of community. a lot of people talk about community and um, it's it's not it, the the reason it's you're hearing so much about it it really it really is significant it's important, but you need a people group to work out your life in relation to that's a terrible sentence but um One of the things that breaks my heart we've had we've had folks that have been through here and then they become Sort of rock and roll stars at some level and when they're gone their lives tank man They're doing dope, you know terrible things But they're living the life they're living that dream that they don't realize becomes a nightmare and See what everybody needs you need to be tethered to something you don't like Can I be that blunt? You need to be tethered to something that keeps you living in the real world while you practice your idealism Donna, yeah, Donna, and I lived in this christian community i don't mean it was a neighborhood with some i mean Christians live our church bought this ninety five acre farm we moved out there we lived there um there are young adults in this room right now whose parents lived with us before they got married. I mean, all this, we lived in it. Um, and the most dangerous person in that setting was an idealist. Idealism is dangerous. You, you, you need to have some, but, but you've got to understand that your ideal may have absolutely nothing to do with reality. At the end of the day, you have got to have something that works within the context of a community of people. Even in business, it's the same way. Um, I was reading a book recently, and it was so interesting because it's so challenging. If your life's not working, here's a recommendation. Go ask people why they don't want to have anything to do with you. And pay attention to their answer. Now don't you know? Try not to find a really mean person, but there are reasons things don't work. Come on, this is really good. I'm, I'm convincing myself that it is. No, and so you you need. I, I I think about. Let me just put a little bit on the spot. I think about John, Mark, and Sarah. They are so gifted in so many ways. Bam! Three kids. Three kids. You go to bed, it's almost like, uh, David, when I'm in, wherever I am, there you are. Even if I'm in Shoal, there you are. Your kids are always there. <laughs> They're always going to be there. Even when they leave, they sometimes they come back home. But I, I was really thinking about you, Sarah. I was thinking, such a great gift. Um, so creative, so dear. And it's just a picture of so many people in this room tied to these kids in a certain way, and yet there's something about that that is so important and so redemptive. You know, you just, because you, you and each one of us, um, we have to find a way to uh, work out our relationship with God to where it really does work. I, I like to say this, everybody ought to go work for commission. You ought to only get paid for what you do. I did that for 30 years, and then I pastored churches. Same thing. <laughs> only you can't make anybody come. You can't make anybody support you. And so a lot of pastors threaten and intimidate, but I just, I'm too old for that, and it doesn't work anyway, and it's not going to help people. So, but I, I, every, what am I saying? I'm saying this, everybody needs to live a life that functionally works because it will, it will tether you between heaven and earth. You see, you need to have this amazing viewpoint of God. You, you need to have this amazing level of faith, but then it's got to be plugged in somewhere Where it actually works. Well, when God touches you deeply and profoundly, it begins to affect all of that. And there's no perfect community. There's no perfect church, as they used to say. If you found a perfect church and you went to it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. But there's nothing perfect out there in the relational sense. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect boss. There's no perfect employee. Um... And that, and that's life. That's the way it is. And so we, we need to have we need to have the capacity to love people who are not perfect, because that's the only way we can receive that same kind of love. And there's something about uh, there's something that happens when you begin to just love people, and you you're not trying to make them change. You're not trying to make them different. You'll help them if you can. A friend of mine said the other day, he's not willing to invest more in somebody's problem than they're willing to invest in it. That's the way that works. But there's something about loving people that way that opens channels up in your heart to experience the love of God on a different level. He is really looking for people through whom he can love. That was really good right there. And the wonderful thing about that is you get to feel it as it comes through. One of the problems with people who get hurt and get cynical and build walls is the same walls that keep people out are the same walls that keep God from getting in. You're going to get hurt. Wake up. You're going to get hurt. You are not going to get hurt. What you going to do? What you going to do? It's inevitable. I'm not going to try to hurt you. I could. I'm not going to try. But I'm saying you're going to get hurt. What you going to do? Who are you going to get mad at? Who are you going to blame? Two options. Get bitter, get better. Two options. Bitter, better. Let's say that together. Two options. But Rob and I like a third. Okay, I'll give you a third. Bitter, better, better. Numb. Uh, Adam Russell said the other night at this conference, he said, um, no matter how messed up you are, you need a place to talk about it. You do. You need a place to talk about it. You don't need a microphone to talk about it. You need a safe place to talk about it. You got to get that stuff and Andy, I've just heard these guys this week. Andy was saying that a, a friend of his, a couple they lost a child, and they lived states away, and they called Andy because they didn't have a place to process their pain they They didn't have a people group who understood. Life consists of defeats and victories. There, there are certain faith churches where you can't even say you're sick. I don't know how you get healed if you can't say you're sick first. But you can't even say you're sick. You can't even say you got if But you just quote a Bible verse. Oh, oh, you know, I don't care how many Bible verses you quote. You can get a parrot to quote Bible verses. It's still going to be a parrot at the end of the day. It's the verses you quote, you believe, you walk in. This scares the devil out of the devil. Oh, that's good. <laughs> anyway, okay. Knowing the Father's love, he will give you courage to change society. He will give you a confidence that cannot be overcome. He released you from human affirmation. I really like people who don't care what anybody else thinks, but who aren't trying to prove they don't care. There's a big difference. There's just something so refreshing about a person who's gonna be who they are next. Next. People like me because I'm that way. If I was at home with certain exceptions, I'd be acting the same way I'm acting right now. That's who I am. You know why I'm this way? It doesn't take any effort. Doesn't take any energy. I've heard lately people said, "Yeah, this teenager said you were weird, but awesome." That's good. I'll take that weird but awesome. If a teenager likes me, I'm good. Weird, and awesome. weird awesome, whatever. But the world is looking for some, <laughs> somebody, somebodies that are legit. These old crappy screwball. Christian We deserve a bad rap Because people been out there being crazy (laughs) The ability to never fail Knowing the Father's love You will receive unbelievable authority (laughs) Unqualified security Supernatural ministry Intimate relationship with Jehovah Remarkable boldness Total dependence on God that's what you get when you know God. I was thinking, there's something about when God touches you that you may at times forget about it, but it'll come back to you and it'll be so amazing. I saw one of my grandkids this morning. I said, hey, come here. And he came over and I just I just hugged him gave me a really good one because I can still remember and feel what it was like for my mom to tuck me in bed at night. I can feel that right now. She would come and all the way around, I'd be just in there, but there was something so good, good about that way that felt. See, I don't like these whole Christians that say it's not about how you feel. That's really stupid. It's all about how you feel. Until you're feeling stuff that's not legit, then it's not about how you feel. But God wants you to feel. You know the thing Shelly said. It was so awesome. She said, and and we're going to see the video again at the end. Some of you haven't seen it. She said she felt like God was proud of her. That's what it is to know God accurately. And it's not based, it's not based on uh, what you did. Here's what she did for God to feel proud of her. She came and sat with her sister at the bar back there for a while and cried when Josh Baldwin worshipped God. That's what she did to earn that. She didn't do anything. But see, you, you have to know God really loves you. He wants you to feel it. And the wonderful thing is about feeling awful is there in a in a weird way, the depth of feeling awful can actually provide for you a capacity to feel more of God than you could imagine because he will take advantage of every negative thing. Even when you do the wrong thing and you pay the price and you feel terrible about it, he can take a hold of that very situation and the wrongness of what you did and the pain that you shared can actually be a place he feels more than if you'd done all right and you hadn't gone through that. That's right. That's right. Now, should you go sin so that grace may abound? Of course not. That's crazy. You could go too far and it could really hurt. You know, it's kind "Well the wrong but no. Do you notice that little trick right there? How I got through? I want us to look at Isaiah forty-two one through four. I'm feeling a little dysfunctional this morning. Is it showing? I don't know. Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Is it up there now? Let's read this together. Let me tell you what this is. I've started out this whole series out of, I think, Matthew 3, 17, 18, 19, where the Father says audibly, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well-pleased. It's very rare for God to speak in public like that. But when he does, that's pretty much what he says. Behold. This is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. Here in Isaiah 42, verse 1, read this first verse with me. Behold. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. Let's stop right there. Those two phrases, or those three phrases, behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, that is the prophetic Old Testament equivalent of this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so what you see from this is how a person begins to live who lives in light of knowing God says about them, my elect one, this is my chosen person, and here's how I feel about them, my soul delights Let's go back to Shelley as as an object. When she felt God feeling proud of her, what she really felt was the literal delight in the soul of God toward her. It was not, it was real. It was a connection between her and God, it was a real experience. It wasn't, you know, oh, well, that was an emotional experience. Well, don't you have them all the time? But that emotion came from God. That emotion came as an expression of how God felt about her every single day of her life. When she did well and when she did poorly. When she made good choices, when she made bad choices. Because God knows His delight in any person is sufficient if the person wakes up to it to change them and release them from any and all difficulties. It's a cure-all. That's good news. that's got to put on sneakers and run down the court, mind you. I mean, it's got to work out in life. It can't just be a theory. So Jesus is that servant. It's confirmed over in the Gospels there. This is my beloved son. And so we begin to see he will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. I'm going to mention this last week. I'm going to cover that in a little bit more detail as as we look at this. But what that means is he's not Chris Farley crying out for attention because he didn't know his dad loved him. You know, Chris Farley basically died because he didn't know his dad loved him. You know that? Well, no, he died of drugs. Yeah, I know he died of drugs. He took drugs because he didn't know his dad loved him. Simple. It's not complicated. In other words, Jesus won't have to act up, act out, Gain attention. He doesn't have to have that political spirit to get. You know, the thing about Jesus was he had the goods so people came. He had the goods people came. What school did you go to? Didn't go to school. We don't know you. We're the Jerusalem elite. Who are you? I'm, I'm just, I'm from Bethlehem. Bam. Heal the sick. He had the goods. A bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax. He will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. I'll get to that. I like verse 4. Read this with me. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. And then in the next verse, if you'll flip to the next one there. Thank you, Jen. You're doing a great job. Appreciate your help. Hey, thank God for people that help us do what we're doing. Come on. Christopher McMillan, the unsung hero. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. Verse six, let's read that together. I, the Lord have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. Let's stop right there. When we see in verse four, he will not fail nor be discouraged. And I'm going to emphasize this all over again. Some of this I know I've done. I'm not Having Alzheimer's, I know we've already covered this, but so important. You can't get it the first time. And some who is here that wasn't here last week? See, he will not fail nor be discouraged. You can't ultimately fail if you refuse to be discouraged. Churchill: Success consists of going from failure to failure with a loss of enthusiasm. That's an awesome. Um, definition for success: is going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. That's what success is: going from without a loss of enthusiasm. And we talk about our losses, and people walk right by us because they're thinking, eh, "I can't really hear any more about that." They will they will. Some won't, but you know what I'm saying? You can't, in some ways you can't you, you, here, Here's the thing. I believe in being negative up to the point you have honestly dealt with what you got going on. And then you got to quit that stuff. It can't become your lifestyle. You have to be honest. The Lord is near unto all them that call upon him, all that call upon him in truth. Well, you may have something really bad going on in your life, and the only way you're going to get through it is if you're honest about it. But you can't just always be that person. You can't always be that person, but you have to be that person in honesty and faith to get beyond it. Now, Jesus couldn't fail because the life he got from his father. He lived in the conscious sense of his father's delight. I think that's a learned process. I think you can learn how to live in the conscious, conscious presence of God. But discouragement never gained ascendancy over him. Except for one day. That was when he was on the cross. That one day he became discouraged, but it wasn't his discouragement; it was yours. He was never discouraged. He actually didn't care if people didn't believe him. There's one portion I think in the Gospel Luke where he jumped up and down, clapped his hands, and shouted because nobody was paying attention to what he said. Because he said, "It's up to you, Dad, to show them that stuff. I'm just going to tell them. But if they don't see it, you didn't show them. You didn't show them. I'm good." You you need to take the pressure off making sure people understand what you're talking about. Come on. His focus remained sure until his mission was accomplished. Now, that's all well and good. Don't be discouraged. What, what, what if you are? What if it's too late? <laughs> you got an answer for that. Yes. <laughs> I can get discouraged, but man, you'd be amazed how quick I bounce back. I can tank like the next guy. I don't tank long. Because I've, anytime I tank, I have my own method. I know when I tank, it's because I believe the wrong thing. What did I believe that wasn't right? What you believe releases a feeling, good or bad. So I go, I woke up this morning and I thought, don't want to go to church, don't want to preach. <laughs> Six o'clock, I'll wake up at seven. Six fifteen. got out of bed, I don't want to preach. And whenever I said, I don't want to, I, I was, I'm just telling you, I said, I don't want to preach. Well, well you have to. <laughs> well, I don't want to. So I realized, whenever I said, I don't want to preach, made me feel bad. I realized that can't possibly be true. Because there's no witness of truth in my being. There's negativity. So I said, man, that's awesome. I must really want to preach this morning. Donna said to me, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. I made the shift. I turned the corner. I made the adjustment. Now, here's what I did. I encouraged myself. Paul, Acts chapter 28, verse 15. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as API forum in the three ends. When Paul saw them, when Paul saw them, he did two things. Thanked God and took courage. What had they done for him? Walk up. But when he saw them, he realized, I'm in this with other people. And he did two things. He thanked God and took. Give me that (laughs) pocketbook. I took it. If she didn't have it, I couldn't take it. If God doesn't have courage for you to take, you can't get any, but he does. Take it. How do you take it? If you don't know anything else in your delirium and despondency, I take courage. And be real animated about it. You know, embarrass yourself. Shake something. I take it. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) But you can only take something reachable. Paul was discouraged because he forgot he could be encouraged. He could take it. He could see He could be jarred out of that place. Now, what if you're discouraged? You need to talk to yourself. I used to hear my mom, when she got old and old and old, she would do something and she would just say, I am so stupid. And I thought, that's not good, Mom. Everybody talks to themselves. Some people just do it out loud. I process outwardly. It's not wrong to talk to yourself. You just need to be saying the right stuff. In Psalm 42.11, the the psalmist wrote this, why are you cast down, O my soul? That's like a question with no answer. You don't even have to know why you're messed up. Why are you disquieted within me? So then he comes to this conclusion. He doesn't have an answer as to why, but he just says, hope, in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So let me ask you, do you talk to yourself? Sure you do. You may not know it, but you do. That internal conversation. I'll tell you when you know it the most is when you're really mad at somebody and you're not brave enough to tell them. Or what do you tell yourself? I'm so stupid. I'll never amount to anything. No one really cares about me. Or let's say, or, or I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Or you can say, I'm so valued by God. Jesus loves me so much that he bought my forgiveness through the most precious of prices, his very blood. Or you can say, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You can say, it's the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what Paul said. Or I can, the classic one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I am more than a conqueror. When it, when it comes to your success and when it comes to your courage... There are only three people who can vote. You, God, and the devil. So you can't vote with the devil. You can't vote with negativity. Yeah. See, who you become becomes, in a great way, up to you. It really does. It, come, it comes up to you. Let me share this last one and take off here. David is such an interesting example of a godly man. You know, obviously had moral failures and issues, but he was such a tremendous guy. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives, everything they owned, Their children, their sons, their daughters. Then David and the people there that were there with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. How many of you cried until you didn't have any tears left? I've been there. I cried so hard whenever I breathed in, I'd hear the devil laugh at me through my own breath. I'm just telling you, that's weird. But when that joy thing came and everybody was laughing and rolling on the floor, bam, I was in. I was getting even. I was getting back. David's two wives were taken captive. That's a little conflicting, but um, (laughs) David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved and every man for his sons and for his daughters. So what did David do? David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. You can do that. You can talk your way in a mess or you can talk your way out. And I don't mean relationally by being a silver-tongued rascal somewhere. I mean by what you believe and what you have to say about it and how you manage your own soul. You need to be good to yourself. You need to love your neighbor. So you need to love yourself so you can love your neighbor right. You need to stay healthy you need to quit listening to what a wreck you are. You already get that. That's a so what. But you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the apple of God's eye, the apple of the eyes of people. Anybody that touches you, the Bible says, you touch the apple of my eye. Anybody that messes with you, and you don't need to think about this as a vengeful idea of what God will do to your people that touch you. You need to see how precious you are to him. Anyone that touches you touches the apple of my eye. Anybody ever got poked in the eye? That's how God feels when you're hurt. Because you're the apple of his eye. Okay. Okay.
1: I hey, um, just want to take a minute and respond to the message a little bit and give you an opportunity to respond. Just close your eyes for a second. And this is going to sound like a lie, but it's true. As everything you need to be, everything you've called to be, everything that God intends for you to be, you are already. You're already. And in Jesus, there's this great turnaround. There's this great turnaround. You see in the Old Testament, you see that fire is judgment and fire falls. You see in the New Testament that fire comes from within you and brings life, right? Water is the same way in the Old Testament. You see the water is the flood that kills and destroys the earth. In the New Testament, you see living waters coming from within you. And see, so it's not saying you're perfect and it's not saying you don't need to change or be transformed. I think that It's just the worldly idea is still the old concept of you are here in order to be happy and good and well. You need to work and earn your way to this other position. But the Jesus way is totally different when he says the last will be first and the first will be last. It's him talking about how things are turned around and turned upside down. And that's what my dad is talking about this morning is how things have changed and turned around. And so now it's not that you are here and you need to earn your place here so that you'll be happy. It's the other way around. It's that you are here and if you realize where you are, you are already happy and you're already good and everything you ever need is already there. And from that place, then you work from that place and not to that place. This is very, very uh, theologically correct. <laughs> this is not something I'm making up. This is what it means when it says that it's the Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It's not the glory that you pursue, that when you get there, you get the Christ. It's the other way around. It's that the goodness is in you. And all your problems are not things that you have to, or your issues that are in your life are not things that you have to work from to get to the other place. You're already in that place, and your issues are just covering up and disguising the goodness and the glory that's already within you and who you are. And... And so what happens is we take on that worldly mindset and we work and we turn over these problems. Even, even in the message that my dad, we can start struggling to feel the love of God or to find the love of God or to figure it out. And that's, once again, it's the wrong, you're responding the wrong way to the right message. So the truth is what we often need to do is we need to be silent because the goodness is already there. And we need to push out all those other, other thoughts and things. Because if we sit and wait and listen, then the good things will start talking to us because it's already there. So for a moment, close your eyes and I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, Father God, do speak to us. Show us that thing that we already possess, that we already have, the place we already sit. Lord Jesus, show us the goodness that we already are. Show us the glorious thing that we already are, Lord Jesus. And peel away those layers Those layers um, that we would um, use to try and define who we are and show us how to be defined by the greatness that's already within us that you have placed there since the time we were born and that you've set on fire when we uh, entered into a relationship with you. That thing that you activated when we first responded to your goodness, Lord Jesus. Show us that thing and speak to us from that place, Lord Jesus. And we take a moment to be silent so that we can allow that to speak to us and we push out all the other things. And we give you a moment to speak, even if we don't understand the words, we feel what it is you're saying to us. And we believe it and we receive it. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. So I got something else I'm going to do. But um, I just want to say, you know, I think if you you struggle with not feeling, if you struggle with not believing what is true about who you are and about how the Lord feels about you, it's because you're listening to the wrong things. And maybe you need to cut out some of those things that you allow to speak to you. Maybe you need to take a break from the social networking and from the Internet because that whole thing exists to sell products to you. And so, it by nature exists to make you feel like you're not good enough so that you will buy things. I mean, we can deal with it. You're not going to get away from it 100%, but some of you need to be more intentional about the ground or the soil that is your own spirit. Amen. (laughs) But I think that there is a turnaround, there's a change. When you think about we do things not to get to a place, but we do things from a place where we already are, you know? And um, I'm not using this as a transition. I really came up to do the, um, to talk about the new building, you know, and that other stuff is just a response to the message. But I actually see now how it, it kind of goes along is we don't ever like to guilt people into giving money because that's terrible. That's awful for us and it's awful for awful for you, you know, and... We're not talking about this every week because we're working you over. We realize some people only come once every so often. So we decided from the beginning we're going to do this for six solid weeks to make sure that you all get a chance. You know, or you get to hear about it a few times. But I think the beauty here is that we don't, in the end, the Lord is going to do this. And I believe, I don't have Bible verses. This is my personal philosophy. And I'm willing to change if it's not true. But I believe that the Lord doesn't really need us to do anything. Maybe he does. Maybe he's created it. But I don't think ultimately he really needs us to do anything. I think he has things to do, and he loves us so much he allows us to be a part of what he's doing. I don't think the martyrs had to die for people to get saved. I think that they just loved people and God so much. It was such an honor that they could be used by God because he was going to use somebody. And the truth is, whether he uses us or people we know or people we, um, we don't know, like, the Lord is going to do this. And I'm not, we're not in any fear or anxiety. In fact, we've already raised a solid chunk of money. So we're not, we're not concerned, you know, but we want to give, we want to give you guys a chance, um, at least for six weeks in a row, you know, to be a part and to support and to be used by the Lord to do something. Cause I don't know if you guys feel it. I'm sure you do, but there's something really awesome happening in this community, in this family, in this group of people. I feel it every time I come in. I haven't felt it quite like this. Um, for I've, I've felt some really great stuff. There's been great stuff going on for the last five years, but something new and re- and and more exciting to me than anything we've done so far is happening right now. You know, and so we want to give you guys an opportunity. We have the um, we have the envelopes. Are we taking the offering up today, or do they bring it back next week? How do we do? There is no pressure. We do need money to make this happen, but it is happening, and we're not concerned. But the beauty is that you guys actually get to be a part of it because ultimately it is your community, it is your space. You know, we're sort of the stewards of it, but it doesn't really belong to us. It's for all of us, you know. And I want to say a couple more things uh, just to be as some people have asked, you know, if we're renting a place, why do we need to raise money? Things in. Um, What do you call it? In commercial real estate, work a little bit differently. Like when you rent a house, you expect everything to work. You know what I'm saying? It's different. In commercial real estate, you rent it and you have to negotiate what they pay for to fix up and what you pay for to fix up. And I think things are looking really good. The people who own the property, I think, are going to help us in a lot of ways. But we still need to raise a lot of money just to get in the door. You know? Chairs cost a lot of money. Sound system costs a lot of money, and there's a lot of construction things we want to do. And honestly, we want to do a lot of aesthetic things too. We haven't even really discussed an aesthetic budget. Right now, we're just trying to get in. We want to make it a place that feels great, that makes you want to be there, a place that makes it, that feels like home. You know, so I wanted to throw that out there. So that's why I know it doesn't make sense. You know, a wall can cost $20,000 or something. You know what I mean? Chairs, you know, $25 a piece. $50 a piece, and you want like 400 of them. You know, do the math. So I just want that to be on your mind about why, we're, why we need money to get into a rental space because some of you have asked. But we're going to show this video again. I really love this video. Um, and, uh, and afterwards, we're going to pass out some envelopes. And if you want to be a part of getting into the new space and you haven't given already, um, or if you want to give again, <laughs> you know, or you want to give more, whatever, um, we have the envelopes, and you can put money in them and get us closer to getting into the new space so and we're gonna show show the videos